you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Good afternoon. This is Erin Addison's here on American Family Radio. And this is Wednesdays with Will. And I'm Will. And so I'm glad that you're here with me. And we have some exciting things to share today. But first, I want to uh, get through these announcements that I have. Uh, remember that you can email us at addisons at AFR.net. Addison's, that's A-D-D-I-S-O-N-S at uh, AFR.net. Also, you can follow us on Facebook and on YouTube. Just search Airing the Addisons, and on a normal day, you can watch us. You can view the broadcast, and I think uh, it's up and running now. So if you want to watch live, you can. Just search Airing the Addisons on Facebook and on YouTube. Also, subscribe, if you will. And also, this is, let me get my papers right here, National Collection Week. And we've been talking about... um, Operation Christmas Child. We've been talking about how our family takes part in this every year, and it's a, it's a great, great opportunity to, to teach the children about sharing. Uh, it, it never fails that, especially our little ones, uh, when we go to get toys and different things to put in the, in the boxes that they want some for themselves, and we have to uh, share with them, hey, this is for someone else, you know? So it's a great time to uh, be able to share that. And man, it's a blessing to the, the child that will receive this uh, shoebox. Um, if you need more information on that and want to do it, you should do it. Uh, just go to SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. Also, we have our By Design Challenge for the month of November. Our By Design Challenge. Uh, we would like for every family member in your household to participate in the Thankful for Family Challenge. Uh, it requires uh, two simple things. Mom assign a dish or a dessert for every, for every individual in your home, uh, from dads to the toddlers, and, and cook together. So something that you can do together, uh, maybe a tradition that you guys already have that you know you want to share. Uh, we would love to hear that. Um, it's just a way that we can be thankful uh, together. I know a lot of times the moms they take the the brunt of you know making the food and stuff like that, but maybe we can help out this time. Maybe we can do something together. And uh, take some of the load off off of mom. So that's our by design challenge for the month of November. We would love to hear from you. If you go to um, our Facebook page, just look up by design. It should come up where you can uh, share comments there. And make sure that you're checking out the web page, afa.net slash by design. Let's see here. Um, other than that, we have... Um, the Biblical Response to Critical Race Theory, done by Miki Addison. If you want to uh, pick that up, just go to afastore.net, afastore.net, and you can pick that up. It, it gives a, a biblical and a concise uh, teaching on what critical race theory is and why, as Christians, we stand against it, because it's, uh, it's, it's going against what the Word of God says. 
And so uh, it's a two-part DVD that you can get. If you just go to uh, afastore.net, you can pick that up there. Let me make sure that I have all my announcements, and I think I do. Um, oh, one last thing, and I mentioned this yesterday on the show. Uh, for, for you guys who uh, need to take your calendars out, our Marriage Family Life Conference for 2022 will be uh, July 7th through the 9th, July 7th through the 9th. Please uh, block those dates out. We're going to have more information that we're going to get to you really, really soon. But uh, July 7th through the 9th, that's going to be here in Tupelo, Mississippi. And so, man, it's, we had a great time this year. We're looking forward to the planning and, and things that's going on for this next year. Uh, man, it's amazing that we're in the month of November already. Like this year is <laughs> almost over. Uh, seemed like it, it, it just passed by so fast, but man, you can uh, just make sure that you have that blocked off on your calendars. July seventh through ninth uh, is going to be the MFL Conference twenty twenty two, and so uh, we're lining up the speakers, we're getting those things prepared. So it's just going to be a great time. It's going to be a great time. So make sure that you are there. So today, uh, we want to talk about today. Uh, the topic is, or the the title is, Christ our High Priest. Christ is our high priest. And, man, as we can see, there's a lot that's going on these days. There's a lot that's happening. Uh, stresses from within, stresses from without. Uh, there, there are many, many problems. You know, there are problems in families. There are problems with our finances and, and, and the economy. Uh, we know when we go to the store, it seems like everything is, is going up in price. Uh, we still have the coronavirus. You know, people are still uh, getting sick from that. And there's all kind of stuff happening with that. The shot mandates. That's another thing that's a hot topic. And, you know, um, man, people are having to make various decisions based upon whether they're going to get the shot or not. You know, people are, are being, man, basically put into a corner and say, you're going to get this shot or you're going to have to lose or you're going to lose your job. And I had a family member who was in that spot and did lose her job. But praise God, he blessed her with another job. But man, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it can cause a lot of stress, a lot of concern for a lot of people. Losing jobs over the shop mandate, marital issues. You know, uh, we know that, that marriage is hard work. And, and when you have all these other pressures in life that's going on, you know, man, our marriages can tend to suffer as well. If we get too loose, if we get too, you know, uh, concerned about just life itself, we neglect the things that God has put before us, like our marriages, like our families, like our children. So there may be marital issues going on. There's violence in the streets. Um, and I'm, I'm loosely following the trial that's going on um, in Kenosha. And, and so I'm, you know, looking at these things and, and how they're trying to ramp up to say if, if there's not a not guilty verdict, then there's going to be rioting and stuff like that. You know, but this has been a common place in, in, in our country. Violence in the streets, constant deception uh, is happening. And, uh, and of course, we know that there's a lot of political uh, corruption. The list goes on and on and on. So there's a lot of stresses, a lot of things that are, are happening and that uh, these things affect all of us. These things affect the Christian just as much as the non-Christian. You know, the Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust. And so while all these things are going on, you know, we as Christians, we have to deal uh, with these issues as well. And, and, and it, a lot of these things can be very, very hard. 
But the question that I have is where does our hope come from? We have to always understand and know where our hope comes from. And God has built within his bride everything that we need to cope with all the facets of life. Everything that life brings within the, the body of believers, God has given us everything that we need to cope with, with all of these things. So where does our hope come from? Where does the believer hope lie? Well, the first thing I will submit is that our hope comes from the living word of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 15, verse 1 through 4, it says, Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. And it says, for whatever was written, whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So the things that we find written in the, in the, in the word of God, the Logos word of God was written before time for our learning, for our instruction. Why? So that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So we find hope in the written word of God. That's why it's so important that each day that we are taking the word of God, that we are reading it, that we are studying it, that we are, uh, you know, having those words upon our heart, meditating on the word of God, because we find hope. In the midst of all these things that are going on in our world, one way that the believer that we find hope is in the, the word of God, in the Bible. And so it's so important. I remember telling my children, uh, talking to them one day and asking them about, you know, uh, what they're reading in, in the Bible and if they're, you know, what, what they're learning. And at that time, they were like, oh, I'm not really reading anything. You know? And so I said, look, just like you will not miss a meal. And I know you don't because <laughs> the bill shows it. You will not miss a meal and because we need food. It gives us energy. It helps us to carry on, you know, with our day, it gives us strength and everything that we need. And we don't want to be hungry. But the same way the word of God provides us the, the, the nutrition that we need, you know, to be able to walk in this life, to be able to stand firm on God's word. We, we need it inside of us. And so it's very important just as much as you want to eat, you know, natural, physical food, you need to intake the word of God. So as believers, we find hope. We find hope in the, in the living, written word of God. We gain strength. We gain hope by reading, studying, and meditating. We also gain hope as believers from the spoken word of God, the rhema word of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the rhema word of God. We are hopeful through hearing and receiving the rhema word of God. We are, 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 are praying, you know, and at a point where in the spirit begins to, to, to speak to our hearts and tell us, you know, and give us instructions on what to do in certain situations. We need to have open ears to hear the rhema word of God. Uh, this is the relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit that as we pray, as we seek out uh, his, his instruction, his advice for what we need to do in life, he speaks back, you know, through prayer and he gives us the answers that we need. We have access to real-time navigation in our lives because of the indwelling Holy Spirit. 
real-time navigation. Uh, and, and, and these two work in tandem. So you have the Logos word of God, we have the written word of God, and we have the rhema word of God, and both work in tandem. They're not going to contradict each other. An example, uh, you may have a financial need or a health need, and you're praying the Holy Spirit brings scripture to your mind to help you deal with those particular situations. This keeps the believer hopeful. When you pray and you have something that you go to God for and he gives you the answer through his word, man, that brings such encouragement and such hope. And we need this. You may feel anxious about your children who are not following the Lord. And we know that that can be something that that really rests upon the heart of a parent or about your um, your responses to the shot mandate. How do I respond to this? These are real-time questions that we have real-time navigation in our lives through the Holy Spirit. How do we answer these questions? Well, as you stretch out to God in prayer, you may hear in your heart that the Holy Spirit speak to you, say Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 8. You may hear that in your heart. And it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So you have these difficult, you know, uh, situations arising. Anxiety is arising. And you hear the Holy Spirit say, go to my word, Philippians 4. Four through eight. Then the scripture also says, it says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is uh, of good repute. If there is any excellence and if anything trustworthy or of praise dwell on these things. This is how it works. So when we need hope, we go to the word of God, the written word of God, the rhema word of God, and he gives us hope in those times of need. This is just one way, and I'm going to give you some more examples of how the believer gained hope, because right now we're living in some tough times. The squeeze is on, and we need to always remember that we have hope in Christ. And so that's the encouragement that this show uh, that I'm wanting to give you today, that we can find hope in our Savior. We can find hope in his word. We can find hope in being in Christ. This is Aaron Addison's here, Wednesdays with Will, and I'll be back with you right after this. Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. This is Will, and you're listening to Wednesdays with Will. Thank you for joining me today. And today I'm talking about Christ, our high priest, and that we can have hope in our relationship uh, with Christ, understanding that there's a lot that's going on in our world today, in our, uh, um, in our country today. But, man, for the believer, our position is a position of hope, and that, that is unchanging. It's, it's amazing because even in uh, death, 
you know, um, there's hope. We don't grieve like those who are without hope. The word of God says, you know, and I was talking to a brother uh, who recently lost his uh, dad. And, uh, and that's one thing that came to my heart. You know, it, that when a believer dies, it's a celebration because they're going home to be with the Lord. They're going to a place that we're all desiring to go. And so it's the understanding that we have, man. It's, yes, we grieve, but we don't grieve like those who don't have hope. And we have hope in Christ. And I was uh, giving examples of ways that God uses his word, his Logos word and his uh, Rhema word to speak uh, to our hearts to give us encouragement and give us hope. Another example is you have a financial need and the Holy Spirit says, I'm well able to take care of you. And the Holy Spirit brings to you Matthew chapter 6, verse 26 through 34, which says, look at the birds of the air. <laughs> they, uh, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe the lilies of the field and how they grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon all his, in all his glory uh, clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not worry then, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your father, your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take will, will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so an example is, you know, as you may be facing different things financially or how am I going to get this or what are we going to do here? Well, our hope is in the scriptures again that God would take care of us. And he gives he gives us an example, you know, of the birds and the, the lilies of the field. And man, and how much more will he take care of his children? So it's, it's important that we always lean upon the word of God to gain our hope, that we don't uh, go through this world, you know, with our heads hung down, that we don't go through this world in fear and anxiety. Even with all the stuff that's going on, we have a hope that we have in Christ. So knowing and hearing God's voice brings hope. The Holy Spirit navigates our lives. Uh, in real time, he tells us stuff like, don't go to Kroger, go to Aldi. <laughs> he may say that. We have to be able to hear, you know, he may say, don't go to Kroger, go to Aldi. I have a divine appointment for you there. And that's not something spooky. God does that because, you know, he's in control of our lives. He's supposed to be, at least. Uh, remember, those who are led by the spirit of God, those are the sons of God. This gives us hope. We have confidence that Jesus is alive and he is actively speaking and moving today. And the sad part is the unbeliever. The unbeliever does not have this. They don't have this hope. They are forced to navigate on their own with their own understanding. Man, can you imagine? Can you imagine not being born again with all that's going on, the hopelessness and the depression? That would be our default. That would be how we live. And you, and you can see it playing out in the world with those, you know, who don't know God. Man, and, and so I'm, I want to speak to us as believers because I was speaking to another um, 
a friend, and he was saying that, and, he, and he's in the medical field, and he said he has never given out more uh, uh, medication for depression and stuff like, like that as he's given out in the last couple of years. And he said that some of these people are professing the, the believers. Well, that shouldn't be. Like, we have a hope, and we can't let the world just press down on us, you know, and cause us to be in such a, a, a state that we can't carry on, that we are totally depressed. When we have the Word of God, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we have hope. We have hope. Another feature of the body of Christ that, that God has given to his people that we may be encouraged and have hope is prayer. Prayer and koinonia. Koinonia. And I was telling some people, I said, koinonia is not a new cryptocurrency, right? This is fellowship. This is what has been set up by, by God that we would have fellowship with other believers. It's true fellowship. We get hope and increase boldness and faith through prayer and fellowship with the family of God. You remember after Peter and John, they faced threats and persecution after healing the lame beggar and the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, began to spread out. Where did they go immediately after they received these threats? Well, the scriptures say in Acts chapter four, verse 23 uh, through 31, when they had been released, they went to their own companions. But pause there because the emphasis should be right there as well. Like, so they received these threats. They were being persecuted. Immediately when they were released, they went to their own companions. They went, found the, the, the church, the people of God, the prayer group. We find hope in that. The enemy today is trying to divide the church based on skin color and all this kind of stuff. It's a tactic of the enemy. We need each other. And the thing is, as things begin to press more and more, man, we're going to need each other more and more. Like we can't be, uh, 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 you know, pulled apart. We have to be unified. So when it had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And when they had heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David, your servant said, Why did the Gentiles rage? And the peoples devised futile things. The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly, uh, in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people, peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. They derived strength from going back to their companions, the church, the people of God, getting together and praying. And they received boldness to go back out and, and carry on the work of God. The same thing for us today. 
when we're going through the different things for the sake of Christ, so there are certain things that arise in our lives. We should have a local fellowship. We should have a group of believers that we can go to and say, man, let's grab hands. Let's pray. Let's get together. Let's pray. Let's cry out to God. This brings encouragement for us. Remember also when Peter was thrown in prison, uh, but was miraculously set free by the angel of the Lord. Where did he go when he was set free? Well, the Bible says in Acts chapter 12, verse 12, and when he realized this, when he realized that it was the angel of the Lord that brought him out, that had brought him out of prison, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Once again, where does Peter go? That's where we should go. When there are tough times, we should go and be amongst the people of God. He found the prayer meeting. He found the place of koinonia, the fellowship. And he went there and reported everything that happened. And, you know, and he brought hope through his experience to everyone that was gathered there at Mary's house. Man, this is, should be a lesson for us today. We need the body of Christ. We need each other. And if we want to be encouraged and hopeful in this life, we need to understand that prayer and fellowship are, are vital parts to that. So this is a hope that unbelievers, once again, they don't have. This is why the foundational structures of the body of Christ you know, are, are, are what they are, as listed in Acts chapter 2. They were continually devoting themselves to what? the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. These were the things that they were building upon. They were going house to house, having meals together. You know, and it's one of those things, man, in our modern-day construct of church, you can be in a church for years and not know, know the person sitting next to you, that you sit next to every week. That's not how it was intended to be. It wasn't intended to be a place of a, a social gathering or a status gathering. It was supposed to be a place of fellowship with believers, being able to grab arms hand in hand and be able to know each other, even outside of the building, having relationships together where you can uh, go to one another, pray with one another. You know, man, that was supposed to be the picture of what the church is supposed to be. A lot of times, you know, we just marking our check marks that we've gone to the building. It's way more than a building. The, the building is, is just there as a feature. With the church, what we are supposed to be, we gather together so that we can go back out into the world well-equipped, you know, to, to minister, you know, in our different places of influence. But we put a high premium on buildings, a high premium on buildings. We have hope in Christ. Uh, at this point, I, I want to um, I have a couple of articles and both of the articles are talking about the same thing, but from two different perspectives. Now, these articles are, are about the impact of the church and church attendance uh, through the pandemic. And so one article was a, a Christianity Today article, and I want to read a portion of that. Um, and then I'm going to read a, another article that's not. Uh, that's from another uh, site called Psy Post, P-S-Y Post. And, but it's the same issue. But listen how different uh, it's talked about as far as, you know, uh, church attendance and what the church should be. So this is an article from Christianity Today. It's an empty pews 
are an American public health crisis. In 2019, Gallup reported that only 36% of Americans viewed, uh, view organized religion with a great deal of confidence, down from 68% in 1975. The study's authors speculate that this trend has been driven in part by the highly publicized moral fail failures and crimes of religious institutions and leaders. The decline uh, in confidence in churches has been accompanied by steep recent declines in both church membership and attendance. Bonner Group found that 10 years ago in 2011, 43% of Americans said that they went to church every week. By February of 2020, that had dropped 14 percentage points to 29%. But when Americans describe the reasons they seldom or never attend church, scandals don't get top billing. Instead, people who think of themselves as Christians are more likely to say that they practice their faith in other ways, 44%, or that there's something they don't like about uh, the service, and that's 38%. So whether or not outrage is involved, the most common experience of Christians who don't go to church seems to be less a deliberate choice and more a substitution of habits. Put differently, a large share of Christians are opting to go it alone. Wow. Moving their faith into quarters so private that even the church is not allowed in. Hmm. Obviously, this trend drives down church attendance and membership, but less obvious until recently is that it is also harming the well-being of those who have stopped attending. A sizable body of research developed over the past couple of decades suggests uh, that Glass's story is a powerful instance of the broader reality. Religious participation strongly promotes health and wellness. Now, this is a funny thing because you have all these research and studies and everything like that to show that uh, going to church and being around believers promote uh, health and wellness. Well, I say to this article, yeah, because God is wise. <laughs> God is wise. See, these are things that uh, we find in the word of God that God has set this up for the well-being, you know, of of the body. And yes, there are benefits health-wise and wellness-wise, but spiritually speaking, there are great benefits. And those are the things that we, we need. I'm going to read this article. It says, this means that Americans' growing, uh, growing dis disaffection with organized religion isn't just bad news for churches. It's also, it also represents a public health crisis, one that has been largely ignored, but the effects of which are likely to increase in coming years. Of course, the point of the gospel is not to lower your blood pressure, but to know and love God as you are known and loved by him. We have to distinguish between the imperfect flourishing that is possible in this life and the perfect happiness and joy that is made full in the life to come. Unfortunately, it is hard to find large data sets on life of heaven, but we can study the imperfect variety of happiness, those aspects of health, well-being and wholeness that pertain to this life and the ways in which religious communities contribute to them and these are valuable to God too. I'm going to pause right here. Basically saying that church attendance, being around the body of believers, is important to the well-being spiritually and physically to all of us. So this is why we don't forsake the gathering. The Bible tells us this, but this <laughs> confirms it, but the Bible is true, right? 
All right, this is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will, and I'll be back with you right after this. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. This is Wednesdays with Will, and uh, we're talking about Christ as being our high priest. Um, we have hope. We have hope in Christ. We have hope in the things that he's provided for us. And I want to go ahead and read one more part of this article uh, that I was reading. Empty pews are an American public health crisis. Towards the end of uh, the portion I wanted to share, it says that our findings aren't unique. A number of large, well-designed research studies have found that religious service attendance is associated with greater longevity, less depression, less suicide, less smoking, less substance abuse, better cancer and cardiovascular disease survival, less divorce, greater social support, greater meaning in life, greater life satisfaction, more volunteering, and greater civic engagement. Look, simply put, we know from the scripture, we don't, we don't really need to hinge on the, the research, but the research is cool. We know that this is God's plan for us to be in fellowship with other believers, to be close-knit, to bear one another's burdens. You know, the spiritual gifts that he's given each and every one of us, they can't be exercised uh, just through a Zoom, you know, watching on Zoom or watching a video of church. Like he has uh, brought the body of together, the body of Christ together to have relationship uh, in a way that would be uh, uh, personal, that w- that would be you know relational, one that would be you know where you could touch one another and you can uh, hug one another and be able to to pray with one another, and we can't get that by just watching video. And I think that's one one of the uh, main things that the enemy has tried to do is to get people in the mode of just, hey, you could just stay home and just watch it on TV or watch it on, you know. There's nothing like the in-person fellowship with the believers. Now, I want to quickly go to, let's see, this other article and and, and read a little bit of it. Now, this is from a different perspective, and you'll hear it as I read. It says, religion uh, may have helped prevent Americans from experiencing mental distress, during early stages of COVID-19 outbreak, according to new research. It also appears to be linked to undercutting efforts to prevent the spread of the deadly virus. So they're admitting that, okay, yeah, it may have helped with mental stress, but also, you know, people who believe that way 
man, they are undercutting efforts to prevent the, the virus from spreading by still gathering together. The study recently was published, uh, the Journal for the Scientific Study of Religion. It says a lot of people were experiencing, this is a quote, a heightened distress during the pandemic. Um, religion is a compensatory resource people draw on generally and especially in hard times. True. Uh, said the study author. He also said, I suspected religious people might not have been experiencing as much distress during the pandemic, both because of how they were drawing on religion as a resource and because some religious people didn't seem to be taking the pandemic as seriously. And I would say to this, no, I would say maybe the religious people were relying on the word of God, said God has not given us a spirit of fear, one of power, one of love, and of a sound mind. Now, I know the people in my circle took this pandemic seriously, and I know people who were greatly affected, and it was never like, oh, that's not a real thing, but it was like we're not going to live in fear based upon this because God has not given us a spirit of fear. Maybe they were practicing Philippians chapter 4, be anxious for nothing in everything with prayer and supplication. Make your request known to God and the peace of God that pass all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Maybe that that's why that's not as much depression, depression and distress. But no, they say well, those people are not taking it seriously. I'm continuing reading. Uh, it says for their study, the researchers analyzed that uh, data from 11,537 individuals who participated in the Pew Research Center's American Trends panel. The survey was conducted from March 19th to 24th, so it was early on, shortly after the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a global health pandemic. The researchers found that people who attended religious services more frequently reported feeling substantially less anxious, hmm, less depressed, and lonely, and had less trouble sleeping amid the pandemic. Additionally, 57% of Americans indicated that they had prayed for an end to the coronavirus. Well, that's what Christians do. We pray and ask God to take this away. We ask God to heal people and to to, uh, heal our land of of this pandemic. Why is that surprising? Additionally, 57% of Americans indicated that they had prayed for an end to the coronavirus. And those who did reported reported significantly less mental distress because why? Because they were praying about it instead of complaining about it, instead of being fearful of it. Wow. Okay. I'll read on. But people who attended religious services more frequently were also less likely to see the pandemic as a threat to themselves and the nation and were more comfortable breaking social distancing protocols. And they said evangelicals, hmm, evangelicals in particular were less likely to support public health restrictions to curb the spread of the of COVID-19. Again, maybe those evangelicals were taking seriously the word of God that said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Because I know for, 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 for me, we adjusted. We went to two services. We, we did do what was, you know, what they said to do. We had less people at one time. We broke it up, but we still met together. Because we have a mandate from the Lord to do so. Okay. Let's see. More religious people, and especially evangelicals. Now, see how they keep pointing out evangelicals? It's like almost like those people who don't care about others. More religious people, and especially evangelicals, expressed less distress at the beginning of the pandemic 
But it, but in what may have been a feature rather than a, a bug of American religion, they they were also less likely to see that see the threat as real and less supportive of public health responses to address it. Hmm. This is a quote. People often see religion as a good thing or a bad thing, but it's often a double-edged sword, and that's the case again here. It was helpful for people's mental health, but was less than helpful for physical health in addressing the root cause of why people's mental health was suffering. The existence of a, of a real threat that needed to be addressed is in real material ways. Again, People were not dismissing, well, people I know, I'm not saying no one, I won't say no one was, was not dismissing this, but at the same time, are we going to follow the the requested mandates of the state or are we going to go after what the the Lord is saying in his word? And again, the way that we did it was, okay, you can't have these many people in one place. Well, we're going to have two services. And so we did that for a little while, and then we resumed back meeting together. I feel like when you have things like this, they, they give a, a bad rep to evangelicals or conservatives. And it's, it's crazy because the things that they try to say is basically what he's trying to say is that they don't really care about people because they're so religious that they wouldn't do what the government told them to do in order to help people out. I'll go ahead and read a little bit more of this. It says, but this appeared to be entirely explained by the overlap between religiosity and political ideology. More religious people, especially evangelicals, tended to be Republican and conservative. And Republicans and conservatives were less likely to see COVID-19 as a threat regardless of their religion. I'll stop right here. You get the, you get the point. So my point is we have to make sure that we are gathering together as the word of the Lord says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, it said, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is what we have been given from the scripture and we have to adhere to that now we may have to tweak it as far as like maybe uh, you know a bunch of us are not meeting at one time or whatever but we're going to meet there's no substitute for the body of christ coming together and meeting i would say that the person that the reason i'm sorry the reason for our hope and confidence in god lies in the reality that christ is our savior and our high priest Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, praise God, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw. Because of this, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. I will recommend that you would memorize that. You know, I'm trying to memorize it because, man, this is this this scripture here shows that we have a high priest who identifies, who understands all the weaknesses that we may have. And he went through that yet without sin. And so now we can go to him with boldness, with confidence and find grace and mercy in our time of need. You know, I I was thinking about the high priest and I might not have time to get into all of this. 
But if you go to Exodus chapter 28 and 29 and also Leviticus chapter 9, it talks about the high priest in the, in the uh, Old Testament. It talks about Aaron, the first high priest that was under the Le Levitical uh, law. You know, it was, it was Moses' brother, Aaron. And, and in uh, particular in Leviticus chapter 9, in Leviticus chapter 9, it talks about how Aaron had to uh, do his priestly duties. And it was a bloody, bloody thing. It was a bloody thing. He went in year after year on behalf of himself and the people, on behalf of himself and the people. He offered sin offerings, peace offerings, and other offerings year after year. And this, like I said, was a perpetually bloody experience. But we have a much greater high priest in Jesus Christ. He came from heaven, from above. He is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. He had been tempted in all points, but without sin. See, he wasn't uh, sacrificing for his own sin, but for the sins of others, our sins. And so because of all of that, it's amazing now we can draw near with confidence uh, to his throne and receive grace and mercy and find help in our time of need. He is our high priest. So if you are having problems out there, if you are having anxiety, if you are having, you know, things that you are weak in, you need to know that you can go to Jesus Christ, our high priest. You can go to him and he identifies that he's not going to cast you away, but he's going to give you what you need that you'll be able to be strengthened in this time. If I want to walk through a few scriptures before we close this out. Just about Jesus, our high priest. Second Corinthians chapter uh verse 21 say he he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him first Corinthians 15 3 uh, through 6 it says for I deliver to you uh, as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas then to the twelve after that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Romans chapter uh, 3, verse 24, being justified as a gift by uh, his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. I'm going to share a couple more. John chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, it says, My little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is, is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. John chapter, 1 John 3, 5, you know that he appeared, that Jesus appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. And in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24, for Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, uh, uh, made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor was it that he would offer himself often as the high priest enters the holy place year by year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, he would have needed to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the consummation of the ages, he has been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment, 
so Christ also having been offered once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him. Praise God for Christ, our high priest. You can have hope in Christ because he has paid it all and he has made it all available for us. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will. Be back with you tomorrow, Lord willing. Until then, God bless.